Welcome to the Sober Yoga Girl podcast with Alex McGrobs, international yoga teacher and sober coach. I broke up with booze for good in 2019, and now I'm here to help others do the same. You're not alone, and a sober life can be fun and fulfilling. Let me show you how. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Sober Yoga Girl. I am looking forward to having Daniel Sancier on today's episode. Did I say it right? That's right. Yes. <laughs> well done, Alex. Thank you very it's much. To be here. <laughs> so Daniel is the creator of Sober Inspired Pirates, which is a Facebook group that I think has like 5,000 members in it now. Yeah, about 5.4 thousand now and flying up there. It's incredible. And so we first met in, I think it was like maybe September 2020 when I was looking for new sober Facebook groups to be part of, um, came across Sober Inspired Pirates, which is an amazing free Facebook group. And Daniel does an incredible job kind of keeping it active and keeping it moderated and keeping people really engaged. So I think it's one of the best sober Facebook groups out there. And um, I wanted to have him on the show to kind of learn more about him and his journey. So welcome, Daniel. Thank you. It's great to be here, Alex. And from one hot country in, in Thailand to another one where you are. Yeah. So you're my first guest, actually, that's on like that side of the world. Like everyone has been, you know, Europe and North America onwards. So you're my first guest and you're in Thailand, which is super cool. Yeah, we have big problems getting moderators for over this side of the world. You know, we could do with more in the Australia, New Zealand bracket, but we're working on that. I saw your post about that the other day, actually. Why do you think that is? Um, I suppose our main base is the UK. and I'm not sure why that is either. It can't be just because I'm from the UK. Uh, second, America. But Australia and New Zealand are just, I suppose, lower populations. And, uh, but they get up first in the world. And, you know, when I get up here in Bangkok, the only people up are the Australians and the New Zealanders. Yeah, well, you know what? I actually haven't had any Australian or Kiwi um, clients at all as part of the sober yoga community. I think I had one intake call with one, and then it just didn't um, kind of go through. But yeah, majority of people in the sober world seem to be in North America and Europe. So it's interesting that you've kind of noticed that pattern as well in your community. Yeah, that's strange because they're friendly enough people. Yeah. Maybe that'll be our goal to get some on. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, can you kind of intro by telling me a bit about yourself, you know, who you are, and how did you end up from the UK and Thailand? Well, well, because I'm 70 this year, I'll give you the short version, because um, it's a long story, really. Um, because I was born in London, but I was brought up by my grandmother in Southern Ireland, so I always thought, think of myself as Irish. After school in England, I joined the army, and I spent time in the military and then as an aircraft engineer. Then I ran pubs and clubs for 20 years. So I've certainly seen the drinks industry from the inside and um, wasn't too pretty a picture a lot of the time uh, growing, up, growing up through that. But I ended up in Bangkok because my wife is an international head teacher and we were finishing off in South Africa about six years ago, and she said, do you fancy living in Thailand? There's a job here. And I thought, well, I said yes, but I thought, well, she won't get it because she's too old. But, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> Beverly. 
but she applied and she got it. And what I didn't realize at the time, in Thailand, it's an advantage to be older. People have more respect for you. You have oh, more wow. credibility. Everything about the job market is better in Thailand uh, if you're older. Whereas in the UK, when you get to 50, you can forget it. And by 60, you're in an old people's home. Yeah, yeah, wow. So, yeah, so I... I didn't know what to do when I arrived in Thailand, so I started a CELTA course and decided to teach English. But then I, I took up writing and um, I got a few jobs and I found that I was far better as a writer than a teacher because whereas a teacher you have to be up there and answer the questions straight off. Um, maybe it's an age thing, I'm not much good at that anymore. Whereas with writing, you can take your time and if you go wrong, you can start again and it's the final product that's important. And up until COVID, I was making quite a good living out of writing. Wow. And then what, what with COVID did writing just, um, was it an industry that was impacted? Yeah, the, the job market just dropped for everybody here because mm. Thailand locked down and to be fair, it was a real lockdown here. And, um, I wrote for a lot of the hotels, the hospitals. Um, oh, gotcha. All, all those budgets just went. Um, mm. So I, I went down to very little work, which was lucky at the time because Sober Inspired Pirates was in a huge growth time. Right. And if I'd have had to do that work and keep the pirates going, I simply couldn't have. So that's a, that's a problem we've got to face soon as work picks up. How do I keep the pirates going and build my work base up again. Mm -hmm. Oh, the, the balance. I know what that's like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So tell me about how you started drinking and what do you think influenced your drinking habits throughout your life? Wow. Well, being the first five years of my life in Ireland, I mean, there's no country in the world that personifies drinking alcohol as well as Ireland does. I mean, have you ever been to a country without an Irish bar? I mean, it's everywhere. And there's a tradition in Ireland. Uh, well, there is in the part of Ireland I was brought up in that um, when you're old enough, you go with your grandfather down to the bogs that feed into the River Liffey. Now, that's where the Guinness Brewery draw, draws its water from. So you wee into the bogs there which drain into the Liffey and you become forever part of the Guinness. Now that was at the age of five. Wow. So I was already embedded into the alcohol culture wow. and it just goes on from there doesn't it? You go into any country and um, the drinking culture is so, well in the 60s it was stronger still. But uh, everybody when I was young either smoked, drank or both, usually both. And if you didn't, you were some kind of a freak. So I was drinking from the very earliest of ages um, and have done right through life. I mean, I drank my way through military life. I, I can't remember most of it. Wow. God knows how they trained me as a soldier. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's always been there. And that's the problem for people in the public now it's getting away from that culture. It's almost impossible. You know, during lockdown in the UK, alcohol was considered an essential item. Yeah. You're on a loser, aren't you? Straight up. 
And I heard that like the alcohol, I read the statistics in the UK, like alcohol sales jumped 50% um, yeah. the first week of lockdown. That's right. Yeah. And same in America, Australia, all those cultures, alcohol sales went through the roof. And um, here in Thailand, it was opposite. They're not great drinkers and uh, alcohol was banned for two months, which most of the expats really suffered during that time. Mm -hmm. I think they were at home trying to brew their own. <laughs> Sounds like my time uh, in Kuwait. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, it's everywhere, isn't it? I was evening, even listening to the radio the other day, they were trying to make out that uh, in a very artistic way, how wonderful it will be when the golden nectar returns, you know? Mm-hmm we're doomed trying to stop people drinking. We're just going to concentrate on the people who want to. Seriously. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So tell me about how did your drinking escalate over time? Um, like I said, I drank right through my army career. When I was in engineering, I started to have young children. That didn't stop drinking. I was never a drunk as such not the stereotypical drunk, but I, there was always drink there. And you get different types of drink. Some people, some drinkers turn to falling asleep, don't they, when they've had too much drink. Mm -hmm. Some start to get really punchy and want to hit everybody in sight. I was lucky. I was the type that fell asleep very quickly. And if I drank too much, I'd be sick. And I knew how much I could drink. So it's almost like a a mechanism in my body that said to me, look, I'm going to look after you because there's no way you can drink too much. But you've probably seen yourself, people in bars knocking back the shots one after the other oh, and absolutely. doing it all night. And you think to yourself, my God, how do they do it? And they're still standing and still laughing and singing and dancing. Um, I guess the damage is going on inside there, but I used to envy those people in a way because they could go all night on the drink, but I don't know. I'm still around. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, it, it escalated on up. I think I was 55. Um, I don't know why. It was just a bit of a milestone in age, you know, when I thought to myself, I wonder what it would be like to be a non-drinker. Wow. Because I, I couldn't remember. I just thought, wow, you know, curious, non-drinker. What would that be like? And I read Helen Carr's book at the time. Mm -hmm. And I thought... Well, I thought too long because it was another 10 years before wow. I took any action, you know? Wow. I, I, I was well into my 60s when I thought, I'm going to have this golden year because I just want to know what it would be like. And in 2016, well, 2015, I'd already tried 30 days alcohol-free and then 90 days. But I really struggled with those because 30 days, there was always that God, I can't wait to get to the end of 30 days to have a few drinks. And it was the same with 90 days, really. But the year was much easier to do because it was so big, you know. I went into it really confidently and didn't drink all that year. And it, it was just fabulous being a non-drinker, you know. That, that was my, my golden year. Uh, and that was the year I started the Pirates as well. Wow. You know, that's interesting because I often hear the advice or I say to people, you know, it's easier to take it little by little, you know, like give it 
a month, give it, you know, two months rather than say a big thing, like I'm not going to drink for a year or I'm not going to drink um, forever. And it sounds like for you, it was the year was actually easier. And it just kind of shows how like, you know, people can quit in all different ways. There's all different shapes and like sizes of doing this. But like for me, one year would be like, oh my God, I could never have committed to that. Right. And so, so that's really yeah. interesting. And you're right because everybody is different on this journey. Everybody is so different and copes in so many different ways and that there's no one size fits all in this. It's, it's in your mind, it's how you deal with it, um, how you interact with other people and take in their advice. It's such an individual thing. You've got to find out what works for you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So tell me about, well, you kind of mentioned, you know, at age 55, you started thinking about quitting and then it was age 65 when you decided to actually take action on it. Um, but can you tell me more about like, what was it that made you curious about taking a break from drinking? I suppose I'm, I'm curious to do, to have all the experiences in life. That's why I've traveled so much and done so many jobs and, um, and I, I've, I, I think the first time was, it was when I saw One Year No Beer. Mm-hmm. I remember that logo stuck in my mind and I thought, One Year No Beer. I wonder what that would be like. And I inquired and I actually joined One Year No Beer at the time. Um, I had a bit of a fallout with them, unfortunately, because I, I wanted to, there was things in the group at the time that I didn't agree with and I was trying to change things within the group which was a bit naughty of me because if you're in someone else's group, you shouldn't do that. Um, if people try and change my group, they don't last very long. But, you know, we, we're all, we all welcome input, but don't try and change us from what we are to something you want to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one year no beer cast me out. Um, they blocked me and I woke up one morning and I, I likened it to being on a beach, a deserted <laughs> beach. And I looked up the beach, and I, in the distance, I could see some others who'd been thrown out as well. There was about 50 of us who they ejected all at the same wow. time. So I got together with a lot of those, and we formed our own group. group and we decided to call ourselves uh, One Year No Beer Pirates. We didn't want any more than just us, because we just wanted to do that one year without beer as a group. That was it. But I don't blame them at all. I would have done the same if I was them. And um, after we'd finished that year, we went along, still called One Year No Beer Pirates, and we went along for a couple of years gathering other people, which was never really the intention because we just wanted to do that year initially. Um, And then eventually we changed our name to um, Sober Inspired Pirates. Um, just so we could be completely separate from the brands. And our relationship with One Year No Beer is pretty good now. So I'm pleased about that. Yeah. I just actually had Andy Ramage on the podcast the other day. Um, he was yeah, amazing. A guy. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Really nice guy. So, wow. So that's kind of cool. Um, kind of shows the story. And, you know, it's been five years and now it's grown to be such an amazing, just like free community for everyone to be part of, which is, I think, awesome. Yeah. And you get a lot of, there's a lot of sober Facebook groups um, and I'm part of a lot of them. And what I've noticed about sober inspired pirates is like upkeeping a Facebook group is a lot of work. I have my own Facebook groups and they're not very 
I must admit they're not very active because I'm not very good at like engagement and moderation and like all of that stuff that comes along with it. And so it's really impressive that you're managing to do it on a volunteer basis. Like kudos to you. That's huge. Yeah, it is. Keeping the group active is really, really important. And when I looked at the statistics last week, well, we're always roughly between 70 and 80% active which for five and a half thousand people is huge um i've there's other groups out there uh, without naming any that have got over twenty thousand members and only one or two moderators they don't need them because nothing ever happens right um they're just big especially the ones linked to books Uh because they've sold their books so they get them first person in the group and everybody just sits in the group nobody does or says anything but um our group is so active and we've got so many special interest groups. Uh, we, well, we call them different ships. You know, we've got a book ship, a gardener ship, a parent ship. Uh, we've got 30 different ships of special interests where really active admins keeping really good social groups running as part of the main ship. It's because you're on the main ship still, even if you're in one of those groups. And it, it works really well, but it is a lot of hard work and you really do have to keep people on board and it is full on, you know, full mm. on. Oh, um, absolutely. I'm just grateful I've got uh, a brilliant uh, captain in Mo and Lou. They both really help. Without them, I think we'd have sunk by now. Um, but there's also loads of other admins who I could mention who without their input, their ships would die and the, sh- the main ship would be a lesser place. So yeah, hard work doesn't quite cover it. It's <laughs> Oh, honestly, I'm so impressed with you because I have, it's been my goal to get active Facebook groups going and I run three and they are just like crickets. Like, <laughs> because it requires so it's like another job and I just don't yeah. have I mean maybe when I quit my full-time job that might be something that I do have the time for but but definitely not right now so kudos to you for for managing that so well yeah. thanks Alex so are you alcohol free now right that's a that's a really good question because I'm I, I'm sort of I'm a vegetarian, but not a vegetarian, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't like the idea of eating meat. You'll see where this is going in a minute. But if there's meat in my food when I'm out having a meal, it doesn't bother me. Um, Now, I'm the same with alcohol now. If I thought I could never have another drink for the rest of my life, it wouldn't work for me. Mm. I would immediately think, no way. Who are you to tell me, even speaking to me, you know? you can't stop me from drinking if I want to. And I've got this constant battle with this imaginary person. Um, so when the waiter brought um, a complimentary drink at the end of a meal last week um, and gave it to everyone else at the table, I drank it as well. Mm-hmm. Now it was alcohol, big deal. I can drink it if I want. Um, when I was in Japan three years ago, I had a glass of sake. I was terribly ill afterwards, but there's no way I was going to Japan and not trying sake, yeah. you know? Yep. Um, so I'd like, to, I'd like to think of myself as alcohol-free, but I'm also free to do what I want, and I do what I want every day, and that usually 
99 times out of 100 does not include any thought or having alcohol. Uh, but I, I never put that pressure on myself. that I say, I will never drink again. I'm a non-drinker. Look at those people over drink, their drinking, how terrible they are. I'm just one of them, you know? Yeah. So yeah, like we said at the beginning, different ways for different people, but that's the way I handle it. It works for me, um, but I won't go over-religious on it. Yeah. And you know, you know what? If I, if I buy a mouthwash and it's got alcohol in it, so what? <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I, I like that because it shows. Um, I actually posted on my Instagram the other uh, week. I don't know if you would have seen it, that I've actually had two beers in the time that I've been sober. And so I think it's like, you know, it's not one size fits all. And it's like, you know, you're showing that you have done what you set out to do, which is like you had one complimentary drink and you're not over drinking, you're not binging, you're not making that an excuse to like, I'm going to drink all the time now. And so I say like every person, everyone's journey is totally different. And um, it's doesn't make you any less of like one of the pirates because you like had a drink of sake, you know? Yeah, that's right. And we've got, if you ask me to guess at how many of the five and a half thousand pirates drink alcohol now, I would probably say quite a large percentage because most of them are still on that journey of cutting down, giving up. Right. Um, but they're certainly not five and a half thousand sober pirates. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No and it's like a sober curious, um, I've actually been thinking a lot about kind of reworking my, cause I, I call us sober girls yoga. And sometimes people hear that as like, I can't be part of this because I'm not sober. And I've been thinking a lot about, you know, rebranding it sober curious, um, just so that it's more inclusive, because as you say, you know, you know, we have 50 women at active as part of the challenge, but I would say probably at least maybe 10 or 15 of them have been, you know, starting and stopping and experimenting and, you know, and, and that makes them, we're all part of this bracket of people that are trying to change our relationship with alcohol. That's it. It doesn't matter who has more days. It doesn't matter who's been completely sober the whole time. We all want the same goal. Yeah, exactly. That's why we went for sober inspired pirates. Um, it's one of our admins, Mary, um, came up with that name. Uh, because um, that was the initial sip as well. Love it. So sober-inspired pirates, that doesn't, we're, we're sober-inspired, that's it. Yeah. yeah, love it. So in the time periods that you have been alcohol-free, what have been the main benefits that you've experienced? The main benefit I like is just having a clear mind all the time, you know, all day, and going out in the evening without... I remember once you have the, well, for me anyway, once I had the first drink, there'd be a kind of a, a haze that start mm-hmm. to, hard to describe. You know, it's almost like you've had an anesthetic. And, and I just love being clear. Like I used to like the feeling of having a head full of alcohol, I now have a, like having a head full of clear. And um, so that's the main thing, uh, sleeping better. Sure, it's it's so easy to sleep now. Um, I could sleep sleep forever, and that's about probably a bad thing to say. Um, <laughs> but generally, better health all round. Um, I suffered quite bad with eczema. That's better as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, not having to worry when 
when the shops are going to close because can you buy, are you going to be in time to buy this bottle that you need on the way home? Um, in Thailand, they, they have set times when you can and can't. And a lot of my friends sort of, they're always looking at their watches thinking, oh, you know, will I be on time um, to get to the supermarket before, before the alcohol I remember that window feeling. comes down? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I can honestly say that there, there wasn't anything bad about not drinking. It was all good. Yeah. So, you know, it's a win, 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 win. And for the people around you as well, for your family, for your kids, it's, it's just a win, big win. You know, I've heard it said before, I don't know who it was that originally said this, but there's this quote that goes around the internet that no one ever regrets quitting alcohol. Like I've never met a person who was like, oh, I really wish that I kept drinking. Everyone's <laughs> like, oh, it was the best decision I ever made. Yeah, yeah, same with drink and smoke. Um, yeah but yeah it's a good move and it's one that so many so many people on our ships are so glad that they made you know they put little testimonies up sometime it's wonderful to hear just how much their lives have changed and how pleased they are with themselves yeah absolutely so what is your kind of vision for sober inspired pirates in the long term what do you want it to become that's that's a really difficult one because we've we've covered some of that already, Alex. In, yeah. in that we've talked about um, about if the initial intention was to be so small, only a small group of us, mm-hmm. and I never intended it to grow big. And as it grows big, it takes so much time. And because of COVID, I've been lucky with time. But uh, the other thing that annoys me, I remember a couple of years ago, I was talking to, you know, you said you were talking to Andy from One Year No Beer. The other director, uh, Rory, I think mm-hmm. is. We were talking. He was leading me through what it would be like for my group on his experience from growing One Year No Beer because they started out free. Right. But the minute they started to charge, they had to start charging because they had families to feed. They it had become their full-time job. The exact thing, they yeah. No, they had no choice but to charge. Right. And yet nobody wanted to pay. And mm-hmm. it infuriated Rory, I know. And he said, you wait and see. And everything Rory has said has come true because I'm at a point now where we are so big, I must put thir- probably 30 hours a week. Wow. I, I'm on here three or four hours a day. either answering private messages or messages on the site, inventing new things, doing new things. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we try and remain free to all. But having said that, we've got, I think it's 85 people now who contribute a small amount every month as patrons. And it brings us an income in of about 300 dollars a month now even that's very small because we've got website costs um, different monthly costs like um, buffer and canva Uh, we boost facebook posts we've just paid a huge amount of money up front for some pin badges which if they don't sell (laughs) you probably won't see me again (laughs) (laughs) 
so there is a lot of expense involved. And yet when I asked on the site, which I do every month, um, if I asked pirates to contribute just one pound or one dollar a month, not a week, just a month. Can you imagine how small that is? Yeah. I give, I give that amount to homeless people in Bangkok almost every day. Wow. Well, every day. But out of five and a half thousand pirates, only 85 are willing to contribute one pound a month. Yeah. I mean, it's, it can't be because they're mean. It's not possible. It must be because they just can't be bothered to go to the computer and, oh, my God, it's going to take me at least 10 minutes to set up this standing mm. order thing for a pound a month. And um, it does great with me, you know, because there's perhaps two or 300 pirates who give everything in support. Yeah. Everything, all the time. Most of those give, give the support money as well. And the rest are quite happy to just take and take and take, often without giving even one pound a month, but often without giving any support to others either. Yeah. But for me, going into the future with this, that I carry that like a pile of bricks. Yeah. And I'm not quite sure. Um, it's almost good to talk about it because... Um, I can play this on my site one day and people will know how I feel. But going into the future, I don't know where it ends because as my writing picks up, yeah. Sober Inspired Pirates, I'll be able to give less time to. Um, our admins have only got a life shelf, to be fair. We haven't had, I mean, Mo has been with us for two years, but over the past five years, I've lost so many regular admins when they leave, I have to pick up the pieces and try and sort that out. I only see a massive shipwreck ahead unless something changes. Yeah. I mean, if everybody gave a pound a month, one pound, one, <laughs> less than a packet of peanuts, um, then problem solved. We could have paid, some paid admins perhaps. Yeah. Um, we, we could do so much more. We could have a more active website. Yeah. But I don't want to become like one year, no beer, massive. Mm -hmm. I want to be the same thing we are and still be open to the people who genuinely can't afford one pound a month. Although I'm, in my mind, I've just not imagined that person exists yet because even if I was living homeless in London, I could make one pound a month on the streets. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sorry to labor that point. You know what? I totally get it because I hit the exact same thing with my business um, almost a year ago. So when I started the online yoga, I was doing it all for free. And I had like 25 people in a class. Like everyone wanted to do free yoga on Zoom and it was amazing. Yeah. And, and I lost so much money and I was asking for donations. I was asking for a very small amount. I was asking for 35 US dollars, which is basically a dollar a day. And for yeah. most people, they were doing two classes a day with me. Yeah. So it would be a dollar a yoga class, which is like an hour of my time and labor. And a lot of people weren't paying it. Some people did every class and weren't yeah. paying it. And, and that's just I, a dollar. That's a dollar a day. Uh huh. And I, I lost a dollar a month. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. And I lost money on, I lost money on the, bus- the business for the first month because people weren't paying it. And so I was like, I have to change this model. And so I changed the model to a paid model, like almost overnight. And we lost so many people. So many people have never come back, which is sad because yeah. I like miss seeing their face. And I've, I've done exactly as you said, like I've made it, you know, if you can't afford, you can do volunteer work. You can still be part of our community. And a few people took me up on that, but a lot of people just never came back. And there's something about like people expecting free work on the internet. Like maybe it's the way that the internet has like blossomed up, but I completely a hundred percent like know what you're talking about. And um, actually it's making me feel like, oh my God, I need to give a dollar to (laughs) you. need to become one of your patrons because I should, because I have benefited from your community. And it's like, what you're describing is exactly what I've been through and I know what it feels and it's not going to cost me to just, you know, chuck a dollar in. Do you have an automated subscription? Can I automate it? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Cause that's going to be, cool. that's the thing. Patreon, yeah. I'm exactly the person you describe of like, this is too much work for me. So if I can automate this on my credit card, done. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think it's because people can't afford a dollar a month. I just think it's because people, it's such a small amount that people don't think it's worth them doing it. But if 3,000 of them did it, yeah. my God, I'd be and here you, on a, in a proper pirate suit. And you know what? I've experienced something massively similar in that with my podcast. I was trying to get it on the top charts. I kept posting to the whole Facebook and Instagram. Can you review my podcast? No one did. Two people did over six weeks. So I started personally messaging people saying, Hey, can you review my podcast? Within a week, we hit the top charts, which is so crazy. And so it shows, you know, sometimes these public things of like, can you guys contribute? Can you be part of this? They just fall on deaf ears. But when you start personally connecting with people, um, you know, within a week we got 70 reviews and we only had two up until that point. Um, and it shows how, you know, people think that their little input is not going to make a difference, but if everyone did it, there you go. So it would save sober inspired pirates because yeah, at the moment it's, I'm a great believer in now and now everything is fine. Mm -hmm. But in a year's time, let's see where we are. Yeah. So what advice would you give um, to someone who wants to quit alcohol? Well, first, you've got to want to drink, uh, to quit alcohol. And um, that usually comes over quite a long period of time for a lot of people and a, a lot of bad personal circumstances. Um, the first thing I'd do is pick up a good book um, on the subject. I, I chose Annie Grace's This Naked Mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a great start for people, but um, it's not for everybody. Every, some people suit certain types of books, but there's probably a hundred at least different similar books out there now. And maybe one or two of those will, will suit you, but I would start the support book first before you even try and give up. Because if you go for the um, willpower method, it's almost always going to fail because willpower runs out and it just, it won't work for you. I'm pretty convinced of that. So go for a good book first and then join a a group like ours. Um, But it's got to be an active group. It's no use just joining a group where everyone just joins and they all sit there 
wondering when the next person's going to speak. It needs to be a really active group where you'll get a lot of support. Um, even if it means paying a little bit for that. Yeah. And then the, the thing that helped me most of all was helping other people. Because by helping other people, you help yourself so yeah. much. Yeah. You know, that, that was the big, the big, big, if you want a biggie, that's it. Help other people. Uh, it's the same when you've got depression. If you've got depression, there's no better help than going out yes. there and helping other people who've got depression because you can almost laugh about it together. So th th those would be my very big tips. And um, it might not be an easy journey, but it's so worth it in the end. So, so worth it. Um, that's it, really. You know what? I love what you said about... Um helping others because no one, I've asked this question to a lot of people, you know, what advice would you give? And no one has actually said that in their advice, but the majority of guests that I've had on the show have helped others in some way. And, yeah. um, you know, even for me, it was like, that became a huge part of my sobriety was first contributing on these private Facebook groups, like one year, no beer, sharing, inspiring people, motivating them, you know, writing my testimonial and then just like giving back and, you know, starting my own program. And, and, and you're so right in like that has kept me on this, this path. And so, um, you know, you don't have to go out and like start your own organization per se, but like be part of one and contribute to it in a way that, you know, when you help others, you help yourself. Yeah, you do. Absolutely. It's a huge point. Um, all right. Before we finish, I want to ask you some quick, uh, fun questions. Some either okay. ors. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Are you up for it? Oh, uh, yeah. Why not? I can always dive under the table. <laughs> They'll just be fun <laughs> ones. Okay. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Sunrise or sunset? Oh. Sunset, just. <laughs> Did you, Backstreet Boys or Spice Girls? Oh, what? Did you guys have, I was going to ask, did you have Backstreet Boys and Spice Girls in, in Europe? Do you know those bands? Or maybe Spice I'm just Girls. too young. They're from like the 90s. I've heard of Spice Girls. You haven't heard of the Backstreet Boys? Backstreet, oh yeah, sorry. Backstreet Boys, yeah. Maybe that's not a good question. <laughs> oh, it was, it was the accent that did it. I've, I completely misunderstood the first part there. Backstreet Boys. Backstreet Boys, yes. They're my favorite too. Um, okay. Uh, swimming or bike riding? Um, bike swimming. Swimming. Because when I was 12, I drowned. And I was revived, brought back to life. And I was wow. terrified of water. And I didn't learn to swim then until I was about 40. Wow. And now I love swimming. Wow because I missed out on it all my life. But if you want, you know, drowning is a pretty good way to go. I thought it would be scary, but under the water, once you take that big breath of water in and your lungs stop struggling, it's just a heavenly place. <laughs> <laughs> my face. <laughs> no, seriously, if you talk to anyone who's drowned, it's not a, a bad experience. Wow. Well, more on that later. <laughs> yeah, which proves that water is worse for you than alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one more either or. Um, snow or the beach? 
Snow. Snow, really? It's been so long since I love snow. I'm the opposite. I was expecting you to say beach because you're in Thailand. No, I'm sick of beaches. I can go to the beach any day. I can go now. I can fly to a tropical island in an hour, any direction. But snow, what I give to just roll in snow right now. Oh, my God. Probably change your mind after I've had it back for a few months. Yeah, get me out of here. (laughs) Well, Daniel, thank you so much for being on the show. This was an insightful episode. Um, I'm going to put the link um, in the show description um, to join the Facebook group if any of our listeners are interested in joining. If you join listeners, make sure you contribute to the Patreon. (laughs) And um, yeah, and I hope to see you and chat with you again soon. Yeah, it's been great um, meeting you as in person as you can meet because, uh, yeah, I've I've wanted to meet you for a while. So it's great to meet you, Alex. Yeah, you as well. You're as animated in real life as you are in still. Oh, thank you. (laughs) All right. Take care, Daniel. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Sober Yoga Girl with Alex McRobbs. I am so, so grateful for every one of you. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next one and leave a review before you go. See you soon. Bye.